Welcome to 2.23am. I'm Christine McDougall. Today my guest is Rob Smith. Rob is a social entrepreneur who has been dedicated for a long time to large-scale systems of human transformation. I first met Rob in Brazil in 2009 at the State of the World Forum. Rob has been a key advisor in the birthing of 2.23am. His insight has always been worth paying attention to. At times, Rob's wise words have been the cool drink in the desert, landing perfectly when I had doubt and uncertainty. For that, I am deeply grateful. In this conversation, we explore large-scale systems of human transformation and how stewards of this, these systems of transformation, such as Rob, sustain themselves through the many trials. We discuss flow states, signature strengths, purpose surfing, affectionate non-attachment, and much, much more. Please check out the show notes for links, the transcription, Rob's bio, and a link to his TED Talk at www.blog.223am.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Hello, today my guest is Rob Smith. Rob's in uh, Nevada, the United States, and he is a social entrepreneur who's been dedicated for a long time to large-scale systems of human transformation. Welcome, Rob. Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, uh, you do have a heads up that the opening question is, what wakes you at 2.23 a.m.? And this is either something that you can speak into from a literal point of view or metaphorically. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been with you on on your journey for the last few years, so I kind of have a sense of where you're headed with this, which I think is a fantastic frame for for it. So, um, you know, I think for me, what I think a lot about um, is what I would call just a disparity, kind of a a. We talk about the haves and the have-nots, and mm -hmm. I would just frame that more generally as as the disparity. And I think there's a disparity that's occurring in uh, around the world in a lot of different ways and not just with money. Um, and I think about this disparity a lot, and, and I really work right in the gap of this disparity. And the, and the disparity is, in fact, economic. So we have increasing wealth disparity in the developed world. Um, a lot of people are now aware of this, uh, but that's you know that's a relatively new thing. It's been around for a few decades, but it's it's now coming to people's attention. But it doesn't stop there. We also have a disparity in health. This is a big one. Um, in where I work in the United States in uh, population health and wellness, uh, we have 80 million people with prediabetes. We have 125 million people with uh, a chronic disease or that will have a chronic disease in the next five years. Uh, we have massive population health issues, and we have we have we have crazy out of control healthcare costs. So there's this there's this issue about who's healthy versus everybody else, and and in a sense, health is the new wealth, so it does tie into the disparity of the first one as well. And then the third disparity that I see 
just increasingly and have for the last six, seven, eight years, uh, and it seems to only be getting worse, is um, a sense of those who feel like they're relevant and those who think they're not. And mm. um, there's a massive fear of not being relevant today. And I see it I see it amongst everybody. I see it even amongst some of the most enlightened spiritual teachers I know, um, or quote-unquote enlightened spiritual teachers, uh, I see this. I see this pervasive fear of not being relevant. So the very people who should be helping us to understand that relevance is not the defining characteristic of your self-identity, uh, we're being, in a way, kind of misled by a very postmodern, postmodern sensibility that we really need to stand out in order to not lead an ordinary life. And so I think, for me, I think a lot about the intersection of these three things and, and of course what I do professionally is I work right in the middle of them um, with with transformational systems for helping people to live more healthy, happy, full, productive lives um, and that's, you know, that's I guess what keeps me up at night. So, Yeah, wow. I, I had not actually heard um, that before, you know, the, the disparity of, of uh of relevance, I, I mean, I can understand it. I see it. I see it. You know, I see it in the in the just the the uh, unbelievable uh, celebration of random. Well, I'm going to say random celebrity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, people. I'm going. I don't know why we're why 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 this person is a celebrity, and uh, but even you know who we have now put on the on the pedestal of celebrity, even if they're great actors, you know, why sure. aren't they the celebrities and, you know, it's, they could be phenomenal at their art. Um, That's right. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it seems such a, a an extreme of cultural, um, yeah, that we're, we're going through. So, so what, so it, what do you, what's actually, uh, you know, what are you in the, you said that you're a large scale system, so say a little bit more about what you're doing in that sort of domain, uh, Rob. Well, uh, for the last 10 years, um, just to give a quick snapshot of the areas I've worked in, so uh, Alir was one of the companies I was involved in um, 10, 10 years ago, and it became the largest population health company in the United States, um, dealing with chronic disease management across tens of millions of people. Um, yeah. I left that, and I became um, um, Ken Wilber's partner, of all things, uh, the American writer and philosopher, and headed up the global integral movement um, for several years, and had the um, had the privilege and also somewhat the frustration of working across disparate domains where transformation was needed. Uh, so, climate change, uh, corporate leadership. I was one of the co-founders of the conscious capitalism movement with uh, John Mackey and, and, and a group of folks back in 2007. Um, um, leadership development inside corporations. So in Integral, we would work in all these different domains that required, that, you know, they're, they're sort of headline-oriented domains you'd read about in the newspaper or whatever, but we were working behind the scenes to actually try to transform the people, the systems, the consciousness, the perspectives, inside those domains. And um, what I became frustrated by was uh, the degree to which everybody was trying to do transformational work, but with 
tools that were really badly out of date, and they didn't seem to recognize what transformation actually meant technically inside the human brain. And so my my latest project was Chrysalis, where uh, we created a platform, a digital platform for delivering uh, transformational content over uh, smartphones and digital networks. And that was the first version of the product. Very hard problem. Um, we did some things right. We did some things wrong. We'll probably go at it with another version here um, as we move into 2015. Uh, but you know, all, all of the last 10 years has been a you know kind of a living koan for me of of how do we help you know large numbers of people to sort of be happier, be healthier, be be more productive. Um, feel more engaged in their life, uh, but not necessarily in all the ways that you know the classic systems would want them to be, in ways that actually are genuinely deeply grounded for them and, and deeply um, sort of nourishing and and and, um, and helpful to them in their lives. Okay, so so um, you know it's. There's a there's a really strong you have a really strong commitment here just by the the sound of the last ten years of of your life and and this this sort of circling back to the two twenty three a.m. question this disparity but the 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 um, you know I, so I'd really like to I, I, if you can speak into a little bit about you know to have this uh, this sort of core impulse thread that has you for 10 years make a commitment to this type of very deep transformational but very systemic sort of transformational work. Can you can you speak a little bit about your own process around that? Well, I would, you know, um, for better or for worse, I mean, it has, it, it's been a massive transformational journey for myself as well, even though I, I came yeah. into it with, with a with a fair amount of of consciousness already sort of on board, I had no idea how how much further I had had yet to go. And so, <clears throat> ten years later, I find myself, on the one hand, more relaxed probably than ever about the way this will all play out one way or another. And mm-hmm. there's in some ways there's so little we can do about it. There's so little that we can do to influence these systems. Um, which I think, again, is probably contrary to the prevailing narratives. Uh, the prevailing narratives, I think, are a bit misleading. I think that there's, if you read Fast Company or you read, you know, uh, Wired or any of the things that are kind of the popular headlines, there's this so, there's such a, there's such a self-congratulatory uh, feel to humanity right now about how totally mm-hmm. smart we are and how totally in control of our natural world we are. And yes, we've got a whole bunch of problems, but it's nothing that entrepreneurship and, and technology can't solve. And in a one way, that's beautiful. Um, and in another way, I think that it's, you know, for those of us who have been in technology for a couple of decades, it's like, yeah, the the tune is is changed, but the underlying sort of harmony hasn't changed much we're we're still doing the same things we've been doing for a long time so um i i i think that the um uh i guess i kind of lost my train of thought i mean for me it's it it comes down to um wanting to uh see that evolution 
ha- is going to play itself out, and these systems of behavior and be and, and large population behavior is so much more difficult to change than I think people give it credit for. It's so much yeah. more obstinate. It's so much more uh, resistant to um, to change than what people think. So take the obesity problem in the U.S. The, yeah. the Department of Defense in the U.S. thinks they have a national security problem for the first time in the history of the United States because we have a, uh, a, a group of people and our young people that they're recruiting from that, that fundamentally will not meet the uh, standards of the armed forces in terms mm-hmm. of their ability to, to staff the armed forces. This kind of this kind of large systemic issue, obesity or depression or, or some of these other things that we, we work on and work with, um, are highly resistant um, to 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 being influenced. And so, you know, there's a lot of people working on them, but there's there's um, uh, I'm probably more relaxed than ever, but I'm also to some extent uh, less optimistic that these things are going to give themselves over to easy solutions. Right, you know, I, you know, I think about it, and and uh, as someone who has loved the study of history, and I'm definitely not a an expert in that area, just a novice. But uh, you know, it, it, it the, the type of changes that you're talking about, and if we go back to the celebration of, ra- of random people with um, celebrity and the obesity and and all of these things that we see, in a historically, it's usually some large a traumatic event like a war or a famine or a you know there's something like this that that uh and and quite often it's a natural systems event like a a, a famine or a, a, a airborne disease or something like that i mean what's your do you think do you think nature's going to figure this out or or is it going to take nature and human intervention or do you have a comment about that is this is just my thinking you know yeah well i think um i don't know honestly i mean i think a lot of people like to prognosticate i don't know i think we i think we have a pretty i mean on the one hand everything's going to work out fine because evolution always does work out fine uh, I think yeah. humans will be fine ultimately, but I think we're, you know, it's likely that we're going to suffer a whole lot, at least in relative terms, mm. over the next several decades. And and it'll also depend on the region you're in. So the Far East, relatively, is going to think that they've died and gone to heaven because they're they're on the ascendant path and they've got eight to ten percent GDP growth in some cases, and you know they are they're benefiting on a per capita basis from the, the globalizing forces. Whereas us in the West, um, we are on the descendant in a, in a yeah. way. Uh, and, and um, you know, from a historical point of view, I think that each one of the things you just mentioned can sort of be tied to a force of the last uh, hundred years. So, you know, in the West, we won World War II, more or less, and we've been living on a World War II dividend, particularly in the U.S., um, yeah. A post World War II dividend that is now over. I would say it was over as of 2008. It kind of formally ended. Yeah. That was the year that the, the 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 sort of the veil was pulled from the global capital markets around the hegemony of the American dollar as the reserve currency, and yeah. um, it still is a reserve currency. But that probably is now you know in the next couple of decades that's going to be in question. 
And, of course, that supported a lot of our borrowing habits in the U.S. and our lifestyle and all of that. And so globalizing forces are, are causing some of the wealth disparity right here in the U.S. as our middle class gets, gets stripped out. But we can also look at, for example, the sugar policy of the 70s. So when the, when the government changed its policy to subsidize sugar and it exploded high fructose corn syrup throughout the industrialized mm-hmm. food supply, it created an obesity em- epidemic. Um, mm. We can then look at, you know, the birth of the Internet and, and things like the iPhone in 2007, which allowed for a massive proliferation of perspectives, real-time social network access, and, and other things over the last 10 or 15 years. And so each one of these things in a vacuum is just one data point that leads to a social effect. But if you tie it all together, you begin to see, okay, there's your disparity in wealth, there's your disparity in health, there's your disparity in relevance, and it's all kind of hitting a perfect storm over this next 10-year period while we digest what it means to be human in the 21st century, and we're not not totally sure what to do with it. It also depends on the age. So if you ask a boomer that question, you'll get a very different answer than if you ask a millennial. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know the, the the sort of the overarching, and I'm I'm really sort of tuning into this with you, Rob. That this this theme of your life around these large scale systems of human transformation. I mean that <laughs> the the and I'm not even sure if it's a, a full imbo- a decision or or something that you just feel compelled to do. Uh, it's a it's a very um, it's a very chunky uh, commitment to make towards. I mean, there's 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 not that many people who are really really sort of uh, working in that space, but not just working in that space because uh, it's it's a very difficult or challenging might be the better word or um, yeah. So what sustains you and and can you say a little bit more about? Can you speak into that that impulse to be in this space and and why that matters to you and what sustains you? And I know I'm asking lots of questions, but just yeah, no, it's fine. You know, yeah, what keeps you going when it gets really? <laughs> and you, you said that you now feel that you have a greater experience of relaxation, and uh, and so how did that emerge from this sort of like this pool? Anyway, there's all those questions. If you could just speak into some of those. Yeah, one of, one of the things that, um, and, I, and again, I don't want to lose the train of, of the several good questions you asked, but one of the things you see a lot, um, p- people talk to me a lot about what you know what's going on with with the, with the lack of engagement, right? Seventy percent of people don't feel engaged by their work today mm. in the developed world. Now that's a big number. That's two out of three people that really don't feel engaged. A lot of the work I've done has been around uh, on Crystalis has been around flow, flow states, signature strengths, and how do you how do you actually how do you live into your purpose? Not in a kind of a new age way. I mean in a in an evidence based, scientifically backed, research based way. How do you create more flow states in your life? And there's a way to do it. You have to play to your signature strengths. And when you marry your signature strengths, your top two or three signature strengths up with your daily activity in an area that you are passionate about, you will yeah. create more flow states. Mathematically, you just do. And yeah. that will make you feel like you're more on purpose in your life. But one of the things that's happening is that people are purpose surfing, right? So this whole fear of not being relevant and all of this other stuff is is what, you know, an effect I just call purpose surfing. So everybody's out there purpose surfing, 
because they feel like that's what they should be doing and they feel like, well, they're entitled to live this deeper purpose um, maybe before they've developed the craft as a technician or they've developed. So they're kind of jumping ahead a few steps. Well, for me, I did develop a craft. I developed a deep expertise in a bunch of areas. Um, and I would say that, you know, even though I'm, I kind of speak about purpose surfing a little bit pejoratively, I, I really don't mean to. I just, it's more of a cautionary tale. It's like, be careful that you don't put purpose surfing as the thing. But in a way, as an entrepreneur, my whole life has been purpose surfing. Like, I only go into projects where I feel like I've got a calling to move the needle on. But they tend not yeah. to be lightweight. They tend not to be lightweight things. They tend to be very, very complex, very hard, um, almost over overwhelming challenges that that don't stand much yeah. of a chance of success. And the easiest way I'd say it is, it's just the deal I made with God. Um, it's just the deal I made. Uh, I, I've had a, I've had a pretty, I've had a pretty um, unique set of opportunities that have opened themselves to me at various times of my life, starting young. And um, that has that's only increased my sense of responsibility to um, take on you know the the hardest things out there that, that require the, the the most amount of integration, the most amount of perspective, the most amount of discernment, uh, and they often sit at the intersection of technology, philosophy, spirituality, and and capital so venture capital um and that yeah. that intersection is 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 still somewhat you know still somewhat rare these days but i think it's an yeah. intersection that's that's really badly needed wow um so i i i understand the the uh the, the deal that you made um <laughs> yeah you made one of those yourself <laughs> didn't you <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, so as, as one of the one of one of your kind, uh, how do you um, how do you keep yourself sustained when uh, when the road gets rough or you it looks like a dead end or it looks like a something, and uh, you know because in in the type of work that you're doing, I would imagine that that is a fairly frequent occurrence. Yeah. It is. There's a couple of answers to that, and there are different levels. So at the at the everyday, at the everyday level is well, actually probably three levels. So at the everyday level, there's just mm-hmm. the, the there's basically just good life hygiene, right? Having a lot of good people around me, having a loving family, lifting weights a lot. I mean, doing things that keep myself um, in really good mental and emotional and physical hygiene. Eating well, sleeping. Yeah. I, you know, I sleep like a baby. I drink a lot of water, so. That whole inner life practice kind of concept is is yes. on one hand it's kind of obvious. On the other hand, most people don't do it, and, and so if you yes. if you really take on hard stuff, you really do have to be disciplined about setting your life up so that you've got as hygienic a foundation as possible. The, yes. the second layer up is I'd say more sort of psycho emotional, which is staying in a growth mindset. Um, we actually published this path on Chrysalis when I worked with Carol Dweck at Stanford on on, on her book uh, Mindset and, and and what a growth mindset is. But basically, you know, this idea that it's a journey, and and for someone who's genuinely in a growth mindset, um, they appreciate the effort. They appreciate the fact that the challenges hold something u- unique that 
you know, just getting just getting a win or just getting a um just getting the praise or just getting the pat on the head or whatever is is fine, but it's really not the point. And um that's you know, that's a pretty um that's a pretty powerful shift to make when you make it really in a given topic of your life. And it does go topic yes. by topic, by the way. So you might be in a growth mindset in your relationships, but you might be in a fixed mindset in your career. And so for me, staying in a growth mindset around my, my work and my calling is, is and, I, and I haven't always been there, but it's, it's been, um, that's, that's part of the practice. And then the final level, the highest level, or the deepest level, most fundamental, is, is recognizing that two things. Um, this is a very spiritual, um, a very spiritual lesson that um, you have to live into. But the first is that the ego doesn't exist. The identity doesn't exist. There is no me, really. The ego is a process. The ego is a pattern. Um, it's time bound. It can only it can only arise in the uh, process of living through time, uh, reacting to an environment that's changing, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's something that's really important for people to understand. In fact, I think it'll be uh, from, from my TED talk. This is one of the things I mentioned. I think it'll be one of the survival skills of the next three or four decades. I think people will have to come into contact with the fact that their ego is a is a patterned conditioned process and they have to they have to exercise some self-authorship about how they want that pattern to play itself out otherwise they're going to end up very very unhappy um you know over time that's one half of the story is is how the ego and the identity is is actually illusory the other half of the story is that all effort is ignorance um and this is one of the great things that um well, several people have said it. Uh, uh, Ramana Maharshi said it. Uh, Krishnamurti said it. Um, I think Nisargadatta said it. But, but basically, this notion that any time we are expending effort with a goal to try to change the world, really we are causing as much sort of um, we're causing as much perturbation in the world yes. as we are healing, and. Once you really understand that, and I and I think I do understand this at a pretty deep level, again, that's where the relaxation comes. It's like, okay, I'm called to do this. I'm going to give it my best effort, and I, I, but I'm going to hold it with um, sort of this affectionate non-attachment. I'm going to give it 100% of my effort, but I'm going to hold it with affectionate non-attachment. Yes. Okay, so you have opened up a whole rich bevy of questions. Um, the first, I just want to go back to, um, because the, the, at the second level, the, the mindset, the growth mindset, yeah. what I was hearing you say, and I just wanted to clarify this, was that um, when you really understand that mindset, it, it's, um, it, and I'm going to explain this through my own sort of metaphor here. I, I'm a passionate person. I get, I like getting excited about things, and I like putting my passion into things and so on. And and I love that that color change from from very very quiet because I'm also you know, very quiet and introverted from very quiet to this like passionate sort of thing. But in, in, when you're talking about your work in the world, what I'm hearing you say is that when you have what by all appearances could be um, I've hit that massive goal achievement target so on one hand, or clunk, 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 we've crashed and burnt on the other side. 
that from a growth mindset point of view, you're looking at those two with the same sort of equanimity. It's like, it's, uh, it's, uh, in other words, neither of them seriously disrupt. You don't get overly excited by the winds and you don't get overly distressed by it. You see them both as, oh, here's an opportunity for me to, to learn and evolve more. That's right. And is that the that's way right. I think it? I think that's a I think that's a fair thing to say. It's not it's not that you don't get excited about the wins and it's not that you don't feel proud of them or you don't feel like you've done something important because you probably have. Um but it is it is holding as a more deep value that you are appreciating the evolution, you're appreciating the learning, you're appreciating the journey, you're appreciating the challenge involved in what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, it probably feels a lot um, – I want to say this say this the right way so I see if I can order my words correctly. It's – you know, it, it you know it, you know it'll feel counterfeit if you're working too hard to sort of make that true, I think. Um, okay. And I think that's a – I think that's kind of a, a component that you can't – you know, you can't fake. If you're honest with yourself, you kind of know it. Well, it sort of circles, and, and there's, a, there's a couple of layers of this. I know in my life I've got many friends who are Olympic gold medalists, and and uh, and it, 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 most people who study that high achievement level or have participated in that high achievement level, there's often this sort of letdown thing from, and this sort of comes into point number three, um, all effort is ignorance, that second part of point number three, that that when you when you uh, when when a particular goal becomes your life journey, uh, mm-hmm. and you invest everything into that, unless you have some other way of seeing it, which you're suggesting through this growth mindset, the pattern at the end of achievement of that, there is this this massive. Uh, which can take months, years, or decades to get over this massive. And now, who am I, and what do I do with my life? Because mm-hmm. it, that has become um, that has become the defining identity of who you are. And, and I'm hearing that in this as well. That there's this uh, you know, holding that as uh, this is the even if it was the Olympic gold medal, you know, this is the journey that I'm on. But that what I'm really interested in, I'm you know definitely want the gold medal. But what I'm really interested in is who I'm becoming and what is developing as I as I move towards this goal, and then how I integrate that into my life, having That's achieved right. it. Yeah. That's right. Exactly right. And I think that yeah. some of the some of the some of the people that are most dis sort of spiritually dissatisfied that I've met in my life are those who bounce from one great achievement to the next, and they keep achieving them. But it's yes. because they don't recognize at a deeper level that they're addicted to these transient highs that come yes. from achievement. And, and they're mistaking achievement for something real in a way. Because yes. it's, yes. it's, it's fine. You're, you know, you're, moving, you're moving pieces on the chessboard um, and you're here to play chess in a way. But you also have to recognize yes. that, that you know, you're, you're far greater than that. And far less than that. That's what I. That's what I love about the Vedantists is is the the simplicity of their contemplative meditation, the I amness or who am I inquiry, is such that when you really awaken that 
when you really awaken to the realization that the great Vedantists point to, they they say that simultaneously you you become nothing. You realize you're nothing. Really, genuinely, there's no there there. And you are nothing. Yeah. But because yeah. you're nothing, you're also identified with everything. You're identified with everything. And so there's no there's no game being played here you know that you're not a part of it is you and and you are in it it is in you and so this is the spiritual journey this is the process of 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 enlightenment uh this is the process of waking up and growing up and yeah. what we know is that there's two ways to get there you can either wake up using contemplative practices and you know, move along that continuum to the point where you realize you you have these realizations as a stable sort of access inside you. But you can also grow up, meaning your perspectives become more and more nuanced and more and more refined and your consciousness more and more sophisticated to the point where this actually becomes a stable version of your own ego. And and, and the late-stage version of this ego is such that there's very little ego involved at all anymore you've you've diminished the pattern you've diminished the process so much you've made it so sort of translucent that um you identify as this going through your day moment by moment anyway hmm. which sounds very pleasant to me but hard work to get to <laughs> Um, well, but you don't have a choice, do you? I mean, that's the th- that's the thing is everybody everybody actually is on this journey, whether they know yeah. it or not. Most don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the best the best counsel you can give someone who is on the journey and may still have, you know, a few decades on the growing up spectrum, is to yeah. say, look, your waking up opportunity is right here, right now. It's not it's not yeah. something you have to yeah. wait a year for or a, a week for. It's right here. <laughs> yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And enjoy the journey because yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's that's that's it. Enjoy the journey. Okay. All right. So, um the and all effort is ignorance. I haven't actually heard that comment in that particular way, uh but interestingly in the last week, no, actually the couple last couple of weeks that has been a really prevalent um in the conversational threads around me and uh it, it, it was so so the distinction that I heard when you were when you were speaking into that was that it's not about you if you you have a project or or so on you give it every, you give it everything you give it the best of yourself um, but there's a, it's sort of the Yoda expression from uh, one of my favorite movies at the time which was um, The Empire Strikes Back. When he says you, you either do or you don't, there is no try. And I know I've not said yeah. that the way that he said it, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it it is that distinction between give it everything, but it's the it's the effort, it's the it's the uh, um, and the effort that I think Yoda spoke into so beautifully and pictorially in that movie was. The, what you're talking about here with this this ego thing, if I'm trying to force something to happen, that's not the same as giving it everything. And I think that going back to my comment about being on purpose, or 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 um, when you want to work on purpose, there's a t- there's actually a technical way to do it, which is discover your signature strengths, 
match yeah. marry them up with a passion. It doesn't have to be your you know your like sort of biggest undying cosmic passion, but just a passion, and um, and then apply them in a focused way, and you're going to drop into flow. And right. flow is the doorway to um, to working in a way that is 100% effort and and 0% ignorance. Yeah. Because in flow, you don't have an attachment to what you're doing. That's one of the things that characterizes the flow state is that yeah. it is all effort, no attachment. That's why it's so beautiful and that's why it's so special. And so even if you you know, weren't an enlightened Vedantic master, you you yeah. still can access this every day, multiple times a yeah. day, yeah. by getting on purpose and, 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 and going and working in that in that way. The key then is then also at the end allowing your production to be what it is in that sort of uh, that's the practice, right? Because then once we leave flow we, we enter back into the stream of time from an egoic point of view because uh, yeah. flow is a non-egoic, non-temporal state. So we go back into the stream of time and then we can, that's the key is then you have to go, okay, well, let's just let that be and see what happens next rather than yes. now I'm bound up, I'm stressed, I'm anxiety, you know, did I get my fundraising done? Did I hire the right person? Did I did I achieve? Did I get Twittered? Did I get, you know, all this bullshit that that runs yeah. so many people's lives these days? And it's like, well that's you know, you're 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 caught in the game and it's all illusory. Yeah. And we see this in uh in our children um with some paint and a piece of paper or a or a cardboard yeah. box or whatever it is where where they're lost in this whole experience um and there's just this natural delight that is is easily observable uh that requires very little input or well, if any um but there you know we see that and that so all of us have experienced this flow state and that's right um know how to access it so so it this then raises the question because you're um um, back to back to the application of this in in your own life and and what you're working on. So, so what is that now? You know, where are you where are you focusing your attention and and uh, and how <laughs> how has all of this sort of how is this informing the moves that you're making in the world? Because I look, I come back to your um, on my notes here. I come back to the your your signature strength tech and what you've the tech the uh philosophy the spiritual and the venture capital which is a really interesting space um and i could see from a flow state point of view how extraordinarily um not just relevant but powerful that sort of set of skills would be at this particular time in the world so can you speak about how that's emerging for you now well, it's emerging in a way that is difficult. I guess is probably the best way to put it. Um, I have to use, I have to draw on all the things that I I've talked about for the last few minutes in order to stay in that space in a way that's not uh, frustrating. So I think on the one hand, there's a ton of capital going into, um, you know, technologies and all this other stuff that's not really that constructive, not really that useful, and, and not really that. Um, not really that helpful, and we have yeah. we have some of our best minds, we have some of our brightest spirits and brightest uh, people 
young people, most talented people, and tons of money. We're talking about billions and billions of, of innovative dollars going into stuff that just doesn't matter. And that's, on the one hand, I can relax into that and say, okay, well, that's oh, that's the way it's always been, so okay. But another yeah. another side of me just weeps. It just weeps. It goes, you know, it's such a it's such a lost opportunity, and and it's such a failure of our of of the leaders within our systems to um, to, to really break some molds in a genuine way. I mean, you know, people like to talk about innovation. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue what yeah. real innovation looks like because they're still innovating within within inside the rat maze that they're that they're that they're bounded by. Yeah, and um, I think that that's so. So that part of it does make it difficult. But more concretely, when when I look at you know when I think about your question from the standpoint of the actual product we're doing, so with Chrysalis, what we did, I mean, it's been such a huge learning journey because it was such a big mission. Because um, what we really wanted to deliver, in a sense, was real time enlightenment using digital networks um, over smartphones, mm-hmm. and. Um, that was the goal, and we wanted to do it in the two ways I just talked about, both vertical development, meaning help you with your mindset, your perspectives, and your um, uh, kind of frames of reference, um, yeah. your meaning-making structure, but also your, your you know, the way in which you're interpreting the moment right now. What are you doing right now? How are you practicing right now? And then how can we create habits and build habits that over time allow someone to become more effective, more happy, more healthy, et cetera. So it's this mm. combination of those three things, real-time mindfulness, long-term programmatic uh, habit building, and um, short-term sort of, um, uh, well, in a way it's kind of cognitive behavioral therapy, short-term sort of yeah. uh, frames of mind that, you know, changing interpretive mechanisms in how you're viewing your life, how you're viewing a situation or whatever, trying to bring all three of those together in one uh, product experience across the domain of your life so that you could do something in signature strengths, you could do something in growth mindsets, you could do something in, in building core values with your family, you could do something in becoming a better leader, you could do something in emotional intelligence across the whole landscape of everything we know about about human endeavor, taking all the evidence and research that's out there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that we actually pulled off most of that. Um, we, yeah. we, we actually got most of that accomplished, and we have 30 programs. We have another 30, 30 on the slate, and we could, you know, with the right funding and the right progress, we could probably be at 100 to 200. Um, but... We miss some things, and these are the things that you know. It doesn't matter if you got the the other stuff right. If it wasn't fun and stimulating enough, if it if it didn't put the user in enough control over their experience, if it didn't sort of do some of these things that are a little more um, you know concrete and mundane, but also fun and stimulating, then it, it you know it doesn't matter if you could do the first part. So in a way we kind of solved yeah. the hard problem but we missed it. we missed the easy stuff. So, you know, w- when I think about where we are, it's it's we're, we're kind of going back at that problem now in a new way and saying, "All right, well maybe we have to re-envision how we're going about it because we got some things right and some things wrong." So. Okay. All right. It, it you know, it it sounds uh well, first of all, it's some 
there's a there's a recognition of the the dimensions of the of the task that that you were you know, that chrysalis was was taking on um which is yeah quite extraordinary and uh and and so um even even uh to acknowledge and recognize that that there was a there was a clear choice to move in this direction and uh um you know what one of the things I've been thinking a lot about of late is that in in uh in our current time uh we have we have seemingly and it's it's just an illusion as well but seemingly left frontiers uh in the in the days of the adventurer and the explorer and new territories and et cetera et cetera and we do have deep sea and we do have faith but there's this sort of this there's the, there's the quest of the adventurer and the frontier the person at the frontier and the the out there and and so our frontiers have changed considerably, and what I'm hearing is that that chrysalis was very much at the frontier, um, and sometimes frontiers come uh, come too soon for the for the for the cycle of the of the population to to uh, um, say yes to. You know, there's a there's a there's a timing and a, and and so on um, that is also here. But I'm. But then, then the other side of this is to make it um, more relevant to the current environment. Is this fun and stimulation? It's almost like gaming. You know, the the yeah. the, uh, the which is something I don't do. But you know, there's a lot of people in the world that spend a lot of time on on uh, in some form of gaming environment. So is that is that the type of thing that you're you know is that is this part of your experience that you've had? I mean, not just. And rambling here about the timing and etc. Yeah, no, I mean it's very much, very much true. Um, I mean, we knew what we were taking on was a lot, a lot harder and a lot more complex than it, in some ways, than it um, had to be if we were just thinking about it from the standpoint of trying to create a minimum viable product and ship it and, and build a little company out of it, yeah. and then maybe that company becomes something bigger. Um, for better or for worse, it, it was. I, I knew that was not going to get at the hard problem underneath it. And sure enough, I mean we've got there's a lot of there's a lot of companies in this space and none of them are getting at the hard problem as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They're all they're all sort of doing the easy stuff. Um and you know, in some ways more successfully than we did. Um so that's that's fine. I don't I don't knock them for that. It's just it wasn't our calling. Our calling was to tackle the the hard part of the problem. And because yeah. um, as I said, that's kind of the deal we made. We we made the deal that said, look, we've got we've actually got some perspective here. And um, we can only do the thing that we can do because that's our that's our unique sort of service to the world. So that's what we're going to do. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we're still at you know just chapter one of a of a or, or okay. inning yeah. in, in it, maybe maybe the second or third inning of a nine inning game. It's like this this whole thing has another ten years to play out before it settles. I think you've got Apple having just released Health Kit. Um, yeah. You've got you know biometrics and and wearables are just starting to get a little bit of traction and that has a, that has a decade run ahead of it. So you know the, the question is who who wants to be involved in? There's a party going on and that party ha- is going to run for the next ten years. And what that party entails is the intersection of digital devices that detect more and more about ourselves as people. And then yeah. feedback to us real time 
guidance which changes us on the spot and over time so that we become a more effective species. There's a whole bunch of people on that in that party and um I just, you know, we we like to be some of the pioneers in that in that area because we think yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's 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 just important work. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean this um people who are walking around with the whatever the bands um, you know as someone who's a dedicated runner and athlete it's not something that I think about but people walk around and I've heard people say I've 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 got to get my 10,000 steps or something yeah like, yeah yeah that's okay, well, <laughs> well 10,000 steps is better than 500 you know that, that's right that's right and you yeah, can even yeah. see right there how that how that frame of mind so you've got yeah. people that are in that either expert or achiever um, frame of mind or, or sort of mentality, stage of consciousness, and that's going to be really important to them. That that kind of that kind of very very small self identity reinforcing um, yeah. uh, hurdle every day, you know, is really meaningful. And so, how do these systems even start to meet people more and more where they are differentially around their spectrum of development? Yes. Yes. And there's and it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, because there's a there's a, a seemingly random element to this as well, because sometimes you put something a a, a a signal into the field, and sometimes the most random signals seem to catch, and uh, and so uh, you know the, the I guess this sort of comes back to some of um. um the, the studies on on those random thing, signals and and uh, how the effect of something that we thought was quite innocuous can be quite significant. Mm, yeah, indeed. So, such as a such a band that measures how many steps you take, <laughs> which is great. Whatever works. So, um, so to just to close this conversation out, um. You, you know, when we looked at, we started it. We started from this disparity, and uh, um, so what I want to, where I want to sort of go to is, what do you, what is it that you see uh, that really nourishes you at a, at a deep sense with what is happening in our um, the larger ecosystem of our planet at this point in time. Hmm. You know, it's an interesting question. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of liking I'm kind of liking the disintegration of some of the systems that have given us so much largesse that it's it, it's kind of kept the party going long into the morning. And I think, in some ways, I think as a species we do better when we have i don't know it's i, I let me use an let me use an analogy i mean i i was an i was a venture capitalist in uh, 1999 um and many years after that but from 99 to 2001 all you saw was stupidity and, okay <laughs> right all you saw was stupidity because there was so much money going around the system that there had, didn't have to be any discernment about anything, really. And, you know, at least in the developed world with the haves, those who are tech hip, those who are 
software developers, those who are relevant, those who are, you know, got lots of followers, I mean, like all that group. In a way, the same thing's going on, just in in a bunch of different new domains, where there doesn't have to be discernment around anything. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, you can say, well, this is just the postmodern move. This is the fragmentation. This is the relativism taking hold within the species at this moment of evolution, and that's necessary, and that's true. That is what's happening. But on another another side, you say the 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 time that relativism and and postmodernism and a lot of these other things move into a more integrated wisdom is when they start to need discernment. They start to need mm-hmm. discernment. And so the faster we yes. see the disintegration of certain systems or the disintegration of certain ways of knowing and being such that discernment becomes becomes important, I think the better off we're going to be because we'll move then into um, a, a different stage. And we are beginning to see this. Um, one of the one of the concepts I'm um, working on and I'm I'm telling people about is a, um, a a program and a whole platform I'm calling Simplify. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it takes everything we've just talked about for the last you know 45 minutes and it 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 reduces it to practice in a way that's like okay, so you know the 21st century is very very complex. Are you ready to simplify? Because simplification yeah. will be one of the ways that you have to succeed. And it's going to require requiring simplifying your self-identity. Um, it's going to be requiring simplifying your purpose. I mean, a lot of the things we've already talked about. And the thing about simplification is that it requires this great move of discernment. And so I guess I'd, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm a little bit of a contrarian because I'd say what, what, what excites me a little bit about what I see around is not the really great stuff. I actually see the great stuff as like the precursor to the hangover. I'm actually liking the um, the ways in which the current system is breaking, and yes. it's creating the ne- the need for people to move into uh, more discernment, more simplification, more simplicity, um, and a way of being, and a way of living, and a way of doing that I think is fundamentally going to serve the civilization, the species more sustainably through the 21st century and actually create just as a father it's going to create happier kids it's going to create happier adults it's going to create a more um sort of just and verdant uh uh planet yes so so and i want to bring this right down because you're you you you're such a high systemic uh thinker operator liver be but i also know that you're a father and and all that sort of stuff and so I hear you're you're talking about simplification, and one of the the uh, completely random things that has happened to me is um, in, in my running in the morning um, because I'm up so early. I happen and I and I often listen to audio on my iPhone, and and so I have my phone with me, and so I've just randomly started taking shots of the sunrise on my iPhone, and I've been doing that for a while now, and I just post them on Facebook. It's about the only thing I post on Facebook. <laughs> And I've got this <laughs> enormous collection of, and I've become a, a an iPhone photographer of sunrises, which was never on the plan of this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, right. My life. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and I've yes. seen a bunch of them. But They're the, beautiful. 
Yeah, but this is, you know, this is this is the the and and I was listening to somebody uh, speaking the other day, saying that I've seen so many sunrises around the world, but have I actually seen them? And you know, yeah. it's part of the dilemma of the photographer as well is do, do you do you worry about the photograph or do you actually see the sunrise? But but to to to, to be rich and present to some of the exquisite beauty such as I have of the sunrises and how much. Taking a photo of the sunrise, the same sort of place, you know, within a ten-mile sort of, uh, distance on a beach, and each photo every day is so alarmingly different. You know, it's the same sun, it's the same beach, it's the, you know, the same piece of technology, um, and it's just enormous. And and that is my kind of practice, it's part of my practice of simplification. So in closing, I'd really like to hear. You know, how you bring yourself from this really high systemic um, um, transformational system to, to, to that level of simplification? What are those little practices for you? That's a great question. Um, so for, first let me just go philosophical, then I'll, then I'll talk about practical. So philo- yes. philosophically, the, the difficulty we have with simplicity is um so for you first have to kind of think about what complexity is complexity is the number of decisions perspectives or other kinds of um uh sort of intentional movements we have to make every day and if yeah. you look at a chart of that over the last say 5 centuries you'll see that it goes asymptotic um right now that yeah. it's it goes nonlinear and we have to we have to absorb more perspectives we have to make more decisions we have to manage more complexity than ever before in our lives and we're wondering why we're running around depressed we can't eat right we yeah. can't find time to exercise it's because we're making all these decisions that the system is helping us to make but they're in a lot of ways they're not really serving our deeper health happiness and well-being so um the the counter to that to get to simplicity is you have to change your relationship to space. And and when I talk about space, I'm talking about the open space of time, the, yeah. the sense that you should always have something scheduled or you should always be doing something. I'm talking about yeah. physical space, like the, the house you choose and what's in your house and the media you consume. So the perspectival yeah. space. Um, watch somebody, uh, watch somebody, a uh, space in consciousness. So watch somebody sit down at an airport and time how long it takes them to reach into their pocket and open their iPhone. I do this <laughs> whenever I travel, and it's usually less than five seconds, every single person. It's because yeah. the space in our consciousness is no longer there. We're so ingrained and patterned to want to fill that space with a distraction because we don't know how to be bored because yeah. we think about it as boredom, right? So we have to change. Yeah. So in every one of these little ways, once you start changing your relationship to space, you can then simplify quite, I wouldn't say easily, but 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 in a very aware way. So for me, yeah. you know, my, my wife and I are downsizing our house. We don't keep much stuff. Um, I'm not on Facebook anymore and haven't been for, you know, going on almost six months now. Um, I mean, my my profile is still up, but I don't I don't actually visit it. Um, yes. I'm very careful about what I schedule and and why. I'm very careful about the commitments I make, which means I'm willing to say no no a lot. I'm willing to say yes. no yes. thanks. You know, I'm I'm willing. You know, I'm I'm constantly on the lookout for fear of not being relevant, 
fear of not looking smart, fear of being left out. All of these things, if I if I see that fear arise, I almost embrace it and go the other direction because yeah. it tells me that that's something that's going to probably create this sort of egoic complexity that's going to make things harder. Um, spending a lot of time with my kids and laughing. And, and so, you know, none of these things are, are sort of groundbreaking, but but once you add them all up, you realize, wow, it's actually pretty easy to be happy if you just start making some different choices. Um, yeah. you, you don't spend as much money, you save more money, um, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, a good friend of mine said the other day that, you know, you could just have a small plot of, plot of land and grow potatoes, and, and someone was saying, well, that's not much, much use of the land. Of the land, well, it is if you want to eat. And <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's like yeah. it's like we 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 uh we the, the just the level of complexity just to get a family meal together and thinking about all of the food chains right. and the chains that's and whatever right. it's like oh my god that's exhausting can I just go and pick some fresh veggies from the garden and yes it takes time to prepare but you know it also nourishes so <laughs> and maybe the biggest fear of all is the fear of being ordinary I mean that's the one that the one I think people really have to yeah um, embrace is 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 the the problem with the the entire postmodern uh, uh, meme of evolution yeah. is that it gives you a myth, and the myth is that you should be extraordinary and you should be unique and you should stand out. And again, I mentioned this to Ted, but it's like the, the flip side is this this fear of being ordinary. And actually, what you have to realize is that people have been really happy and have very high subjective well being. For decades and decades, with being ordinary. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> so, on that note, on on uh, we're going to end uh, very ordinarily. <laughs> on that <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I really want to thank you for um, your time. Okay. Well, um, it sounds like uh, we lost you, Christine. So. I will just say thank you for having me, and uh, it was fantastic to talk to you. I love the podcast series, and I love the work that you're doing, and I look forward to reconnecting with you real soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. If you want more of 223 AM, then you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to the blog of 223am.com. That's blog.223am.com, where you'll find articles and interviews featuring stellar guests from around the world, plus tools and resources, and much, much more. Follow 223am on Twitter at twitter.com slash 2 underscore 23am. That's 2 underscore 23am. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash 0223am. Till next time, thank you for listening.